Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Christopher McPherson. Chris made time for me during his very busy schedule, being in like all the Imperial Theater shows lately. We chat about this busy schedule as well as how Chris struggles with imposter syndrome paired with a strong tenacity to achieve what he wants. Chris is jovial, quick to laughter, as well as modest and kind. On with the show. Okay, uh, welcome Christopher McPherson to Sarnia Famous. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Uh, took us a little back and forth. This time of year is a little crazy. Um, I won't air your episode until the new year, but as I mentioned before, I'm trying to get ahead so I can go home and visit my family without having to worry. So it's purely selfish. So thank you very much for being understanding. Um, and I usually try to talk about how I've worked with the person before, if I have. In your case, we haven't yet. We met at the Clue callbacks. And for those who don't know me, and perhaps it's misleading because I'm hosting a podcast, I have crippling social anxiety. So I was sitting in this space with all these people that I know and still feeling very nervous and you were just a little ball of sunshine you came over and you introduced yourself and you were so sweet and warm so thank you very much for that I'm glad you're here today yeah of course I'm happy to be here you've interviewed most of my friends and some of my family at this point so uh this was a little uh a FOMO on my part I was like oh I gotta get on there who's (laughs) who which family members uh uh, (laughs) So not by blood, but Richard Teske has been my father figure for a long time. And I call him dad. He calls me son. So That's so sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, family isn't always what we were born to, right? Um, well, that's wonderful. So, yeah, you are everywhere with your hands in everything right now. Uh, how's that all going? Like, my goodness. <laughs> Do you sleep? Is that a thing? Um, Sometimes, yeah. It's been, it's been a crazy year. I'm just like so thankful for the opportunities that have come up. I was very into theater in high school in my early 20s, working with Skit's Best Productions uh, in high school, and then Rebound's Act 2 program and Diversion Entertainment a little bit uh, in my early 20s. And then I took a big break that turned out to be a lot bigger than I expected it to. In 2015, I went to college. Um, and the, knowing the kind of person I am, I knew I had to kind of choose one thing or another to focus on. Uh, so I chose to step back from theater and focus on college, which was, the college was a great experience. I really loved the program I took, the SSW program at Lambton. and a great cohort of fellow students who we became like a little found family, great professors, and it was just a great time. And then I jumped right into my career doing overnight shifts at the homeless shelters in town. Wow. So that was a big drain uh, physically just doing the night shifts, and it was tough work mentally, so I found myself kind of not motivated to do any theater. So two years in college and then two years working that job, and then the pandemic happened. Mm. So it had ended up being six years since I'd been on stage, and it was pretty tough because it was something I really enjoy, something I'm really passionate about. It even got to a point where I couldn't really go see shows at the Imperial for a while because it was my friends doing what I wanted to be doing. And it was it was tough to sit in the audience and watch mm-hmm. that. As, mm-hmm. as amazing as the productions the Imperial puts on, uh, there was some toughness there. For me. So November of last year, something rotten auditions were coming around. And Taylor Hartwick, who's been a friend of mine for a really long time, 
said to me, you got to go audition. You know, you know, you miss it. You know, you like to do it. So why not? And I kind of hemmed and hawed, kind of learned the audition song and then kind of pulled myself back, said I'm not ready. And Taylor uh, very nicely threatened uh, to drag me out of my house and take me to the audition herself. The day after my 30th birthday, I did my first audition in six years and they offered me a role in the troupe of Something Rotten and it was just an incredible uh, life-changing experience really to work with so many people that I had looked up to for so long and to be, you know, when I auditioned, I kind of thought I'll get one, one line and one scene kind of thing and the troupe the group of characters that, that plays the troupe is attached to Nick Bottom, who's the main character in the show. And pretty much any time Nick is on stage, the troupe's there with him. So I ended up being on stage a lot more than I had anticipated, dancing a lot more than I had anticipated, which is not something I consider my strong suit. But it was, it was mind-blowing to me how much I immediately got back into loving it and putting my all into it. And we put on, I think, one of the best shows that's been done in Sarnia. And I just thought, I can't stop now. So I decided to audition for everything I could, and the theater was very, the theater community was very welcoming and very receiving, and I've ended up being cast in, in everything I've auditioned for this year. <laughs> was that just like a long pause, like, all oh, that happened, that yeah. happened? <laughs> sometimes i got to stop and, and take stock and remind just, myself. I, yeah. Um, that's sometimes where the podcast medium doesn't quite cut it because I wish people could have seen you just go ah, for a second there. Um, if you if you don't mind, if we could back up a little bit, I was feverishly I don't know if you can hear that siren. That's quite loud. Um, I was feverishly writing notes and I missed what you went to college for. Oh yeah, it was the social service work program. That explains the. Uh, homeless shelter focus then. Um, what a tough gig. Are you still working in, in a homeless shelter then? No, I actually kind of did a complete 180 with my career earlier this year. Well, actually, um, in October. Uh, actually, uh, three weeks before we went into tech for Beating the Beast, I started a new job in childcare. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a surprise to me as much as anything. Um, I have a bit of a background in youth theater. I directed a couple of productions with Rebounds Act 2. And, you know, it was something I was good at, but I was, I don't know if I'd say afraid, but hesitant to pursue. I didn't see myself as, as being super good at working with kids. And then I went and worked with adults for a couple of years and realized they're kind of just big kids. Yeah. So <laughs> this uh, career opportunity came up. I actually did, I was doing War of the Worlds. And some of my castmates worked for this company and that provides childcare around town and, and schools and stuff and at daycares. And they said, you know, they, they knew I was looking for something and they said, throw your name in the hat there. And a couple weeks later I had a job. So that was intense, new career, long work days while going into tech for a very high intensity musical. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't know how you're sleeping. Um, with all of Actually, very well at the end of the day. But yeah, for what little time you have to sleep, you're just completely comatose. Um, yeah. Wow, wow, so many things going on for you. Uh, and and are you going to continue this trajectory into the new year? Do you think? You know, I'm kind of I'm. Everybody tells me don't burn myself out, and I try to take that advice to heart. But I just like being on stage. I'm, you know, I'm going to go out for Tarzan in a couple weeks. I'm currently in rehearsals for Clue. 
I <laughs> I got it in my head at some point that I was just gonna do the whole season if I could, uh, or at least try to. And so far, it's worked out. So wow, that's uh... maybe I'll do Tarzan and then take a break. Ma- maybe maybe or not. <laughs> What a cool little goal, though, like theater goal, just to, to find a way to participate in every show in mm-hmm. the in the run. I'm going to add that to my own little bucket list. <laughs> it's been it's, it's been a challenging year, but in no way do I regret it. Mm-hmm. And in no way am I even feeling like, oh, I wish I hadn't taken this all on. The projects have all been varied, and I've gotten to work with a lot of people that I've looked up to previously. I've gotten to meet new people that are, you know, now role models, but also... They're my co-workers, if you will, you know. I get yeah. to go out there and be starstruck while I'm doing a scene, you know. I I have watched Taylor Hartwick perform for years, you know, Brent Wilkinson, and these people now I just got off a run of doing an incredible show with, and mm-hmm. side by side on stage every night, and it's just like, wow, I, I can't believe that I get to do this. But Obviously, you're a very talented guy if you're getting cast in all of this stuff, too, so... <laughs> Thank you for saying so, because there's definitely a bit of imposter syndrome that goes on there. Oh my, yep, I can relate so much to that, yeah, (laughs) for sure. So are you, you're a high energy person, I would think, if you're going and doing all of this stuff and thinking about doing more. You know, I must be, (laughs) I don't feel (laughs) that way. (laughs) I'm I'm definitely more of a night owl, my body doesn't like early mornings, but my work day starts at 7 a.m., I get done work at 5.30 p.m. Most days I go right to the theater. I try to stay somewhat physically active. I try to maintain, you know, relationships and, and a social life. So <laughs> it's a lot. I I don't know how I do it. <laughs> I, that sounds a little, I don't know, maybe uh, pretentious. but <laughs> No, not at all. I'm getting the energy, but it's happening. And I honestly, I've had the best year of my life. I just turned 31 um, November end of November, we were actually doing our second our second two shows for Being the Beast. So we had a two-show day Saturday, the November, November the 19th, and uh, that was my birthday. And to go out and perform an iconic role uh, on a two-show day on my birthday, uh, just one year after my first audition in six years, was just mind-blowing. And I got to play my own birthday candles. Like, who gets to do that? <laughs> Not everybody would feel that way, you know, being able to do that or... or uh... It, they might see it as, like, oh, man, I got two whole shows today. Like, I would like to sit on my couch for my <laughs> special day. But obviously, you are where you're meant to be. If it that's was not... honestly one of the best birthdays I've ever had. It was so special. Like, everybody went out of their way to wish me a happy birthday. I got some really nice cards and thoughtful gifts. And, uh, we, you know, it was a two-show day, so we were all at the theater all day. So we had a pizza lunch and... It was just, you know, it was where I wanted to be with the people I wanted to be. I've never felt more special in my life, to be honest. Oh, my gosh. You're so cute. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to pinch your cheeks like a little old lady. Where did that even come from? I just want to be like, this is so cute. Um, so so of all of the roles that you've, you're, you've done now and you've got coming up, do you have a favorite? Uh, it, I mean, it's kind of hard to beat Lumiere. Uh, it's such an iconic role. He has so much fun. You know, uh, he drives, you know, the whole plot of Beauty and the Beast, really. He, he's the one who invites Maurice into the castle. He's the one who convinces Beast to let Belle um, stay as a guest and, and not a prisoner. And 
you know, the iconic Be Our Guest musical number. I got to lead that, and it was just the time of my life. So then you're also getting, like, a, a combination of, like, the big shows, and now with Clue coming up, that um, tighter ensemble. Do you have a preference in in that sense of the bigger shows, or...? I I love the bigger shows. I'm a sucker for <laughs> production value, and, and not to say the smaller shows don't have production value, but just that, that big bravado, giant dance numbers, you know, that that moment where you have 30 people on stage holding a pose at the end of a musical number and you're all like struggling to breathe <laughs> and the audience is going wild. It's, just, it's the best feeling for me. So you said before dancing is not your strong suit. Are you, being, <laughs> are you selling yourself short on that or? Um, I mean, it's like I said, it's been a great year and I've had the opportunity to do a lot and it's definitely gotten a little bit easier. It's something that requires a lot of practice quite a bit of frustration and, and maybe a couple tears. Jackie Burns has given up a couple of her afternoons to, to come in and, and make sure that I know what the heck I'm doing out there. Because, yeah, it's not, like I said, it's not something that comes naturally to me, but I like a challenge. I like to work at it till I get it. And I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who, like, I get frustrated at the complexity. Not frustrated, but I struggle with the complexity, and then they say, okay, we'll change it. We'll make it a little easier. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> Don't, don't no, no. <laughs> I'm going to get it. I'm just going to cry about it first. <laughs> oh, that's so relatable, too. Like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Don't dumb it down for me because I can do this. And, and obviously, you're somebody who throws yourself into things wholeheartedly. I, I remember you saying when you were talking about going back to school, the reason you had that bit of a gap was that you wanted to focus on one thing at a time. So I could see... Uh, tenacity and determination is obviously something that you you have in spades. So is that something you've always been like? Uh, thank you for using those words instead of calling it stubbornness. Oh, I, <laughs> I wouldn't Definitely. call myself stubborn, so I use these other words because they are much nicer. Yeah, it, it is, you know, it is that, though. I, I set my mind on something, and, and I don't like to give up. I like to work hard until I do it. So then, hmm. Again, the hamsters like to... Oh, it's a hamster! Hold on! Oh my god! Brent, I'm so sorry! You're not Brent. I mean Brent Wilkinson. He gave me this game. And sometimes I forget. I get so excited about these interviews that I forget Brent's game that he gave the show. I don't know if you can see that. It's called Which One? So, essentially it's like, which would you rather? It's meant to be an icebreaker, but we're like 20 minutes in already. So, oh well. First, I need you to, to pick a color, red or blue. Red. Red, okay. And now I'm going to read you two options. You need to choose one of the two options and then tell me why you prefer it. Okay. <clears throat> Your two options are, would you rather spend a year alone on a desert island or have paws for hands and feet? Huh. Well, you know, it's hard to do giant musical numbers by yourself on a desert island. <laughs> and I got quite accustomed to not having hands uh, throughout the run of Beauty and the Beast. So I'm going to go with the hands. The paws will be a little different, but yeah, I think I think the, the experience of having candles for hands and, and not having any dexterity or ability to pick things up, I think has prepared me a little bit to have, to have paws. That's kind of funny that you would get that... Of all the things, of all the people on the show, 
that it would be you. I am thinking about, like, I am really, that's a tough one because I don't know what the hell I would do with myself on a desert island. Like, do they have Starbucks on this island? <laughs> but at the same time, I have trouble coordinating what I've got. Never mind. Maybe I'd be more coordinated with paws. I don't know. That's a tough one. Interesting. Thank you, Brent, for the segment on the show. I It's funny. Hamster is what prompted me to remember the show or remember the segment because of, and I say it way too much, Max Major's options were have a hamster the size of a house or no TV ever again. And everybody, what, what's your what's your choice? Would you rather a hamster for sure? What is wrong with everyone <laughs> on the show? No, actually, I, I was doing my homework, listening to some old episodes of the podcast, and and I was thinking, I was like, I hope she asks me about the hamster. <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny. It's become like this running joke because I am just everybody is so down with this giant hamster and I just you know there's been some compelling arguments for the hamster and yet I'm still like mm, I could live without tv uh, maybe not if I was on an island by myself tv might I might need that like how would a how would a giant hamster help you on a on a desert island well how dark are we getting here I mean, oh <laughs> okay food source. let me clarify food source <laughs> Oh dear! Yeah, we went. We went there. That was a little dark. Uh, <laughs> but you make a very valid point. <laughs> Tell me more about. Why don't we just start with like your first show when you got back? Tell me. Tell me more about that experience. Like anything at all. Any stories that you have from that show? Maybe costume malfunctions or <laughs> um, anything you wanna. It was something rotten that was your first show back, right? There's yes. got to be lots of shows or lots of stories from that show. Yeah, I well, like I said, I ended up being on stage for a significant amount of the show, and there was one uh, run of scenes in Act Two. So my main costume and character was the the troop member Tom Snout, and so I had my troop costume for that, and then I played a couple other little roles here and there, and there was a run of scenes where I went from Tom to playing a Puritan to back to Tom all in back-to-back -back scenes. And as the Puritan, there was a high-energy musical number. So I run off stage, I rip this costume off, I put the Puritan costume on, I run out on stage, I do a high-energy dance number, which of course means you start sweating, and you get back off stage, trying to rip off a sweaty costume, put on a different, your, your, your main costume, while sweating, while huffing and puffing, so you can get back on stage in, in such a narrow window of time. And then when we came back on for that scene after the musical number, it was this poignant, you know, we're looking at a script. Nigel Bottom has finally discovered his his talent for writing something meaningful, and, and we're watching him sing it. We're just supposed to have this beautiful melancholy, and I'm just sweating all over this paper <laughs> I'm holding. And I'm like huffing and puffing. I'm like, don't, don't make it off. <laughs> wow, how beautiful. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I, yeah. That anybody who has a costume change in the theater could probably very much relate to that. Even if you're not dancing around, you're sweating. And yeah, the poor people. Did you have a team that was helping you get in and out of your costumes? Uh, I didn't because my costume was fairly. Once we modified it a little bit, I actually it was this beautiful 
there was a vest that had this beautiful lace-up tie on both sides, and that I, I could not make it work. So they put some, they split the vest and put some Velcro on it so that I could just kind of rip it off like a... <laughs> I don't know what. I'm not sure what the analogy like is like there. Magic Mike is what I was. But, yeah, yeah, tear away, tear away vest. <laughs> I love Magic Mike, but Jonathan Lawrence played um, a character with a with a large uh, dress <laughs> as, as he was the the female actor, the male actor who played the female roles within the troupe, because of course women weren't allowed to act at that point. Um, so he had a huge bustle on and like a lace up top if I remember correctly so I was like you know what guys I'm fine you, okay. you. <laughs> you have bigger problems over there mm. I can figure this out okay that is much better than uh like just having to deal with your own sweaty self to get your right. <laughs> instead of having like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so right. disgusting like please how embarrassing handing somebody this costume piece that you've just like absolutely sweated through absolutely and it's Ooh. not like it's something you can control but yeah, that would be. <laughs> yeah, I, I came out after one of the performances uh, to see my family when they came to see me, and my stepmom goes in to give me a hug, and then she steps back and goes, Ugh. "Just kidding." <laughs> air hug, air hug. So proud of you. Sorry, mom. Yeah. <laughs> so then, moving to what was next after something rotten? Was it Beauty and the Beast? Was after that one? Was no, I did between? High School Reunion after oh, that. Okay, and oh yeah. One act, right? Oh yeah. Thank you. Brain like yeah. Swiss cheese. <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. That was one of the one acts, right? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was totally different from Something Rotten because uh, it was a, a play, uh, one act, a lot shorter, a smaller cast. I actually knew almost everybody in the cast um, except for our prom queen who had come from out of town and had either worked with them or you know, a couple degrees of separation away from working with them. Mm -hmm. So that was really neat. Uh, I actually used to work for Diane Visser at DeGroote's, um, and she chose to cast me in her show. And it was so much fun. I mean, we played these these archetypes of characters, right? There was, you know, those all these stereotypes. And it's a group of frenemies, and they kind of like each other, and they kind of hate each other. And they meet at their various reunions throughout the years, which become increasingly ridiculous. Like, you have graduation night, and then it's the 10-year reunion, fine, and then it's the 25-year reunion, and then there's a 65th reunion. I was going to say it was something insane that would never happen. It was like yeah. some high And so number. we have to explore these characters uh, at different ages and different periods in their lives. And every, every character experienced, you know, massive upheavals between each scene. So I played Jason, who was the prom king and golden boy on top of the world at graduation. And we come back for the 10th reunion, and Jason's had a terrible time, and he drinks, and he's angry at the world, and makes a fool of himself. And then at the 25th reunion, he's kind of gotten his stuff back together and, you know, leading a better life. And when I say I didn't have to do a lot of character research to play that part, it very much reflected my own journey. So it was kind of funny reading the script. And I was like, you know, Diane knows me as a person. So that's, uh, <laughs> that feels a bit typecast. But you know what? <laughs> they mentioned in the script several times, you know, that Jason is very handsome. So I, I took that as, as the compliment. Yeah, that would make a person feel pretty good. And with the amount of shows that you, you had going, maybe it was good to have, like, one show where you could just kind of naturally slip into 
and you know just show up being your handsome self and not having to worry too much yeah you know handsome idiot is kind of really within my wheelhouse <laughs> jeez i shouldn't laugh at that um okay i, I had to blah, blah, blah. getting excited i took a note here that you worked at degroots that sounds like so much fun did you work there for yeah. very long uh no not too long just um couple of months in the summer when I was in my second year of college and it's a beautiful you know gift shop and greenhouse and nursery I got to do mostly cashier work in the gift shop but sometimes I'd be out you know lifting bags of stone or I'd, I'd take some kids through a tour of the nursery and a great team of people out there you know really passionate about what they do really knowledgeable. So you're a gardening person generally speaking? Uh, yeah, I do love to garden. I don't have a garden, unfortunately, because the apartment I rent just doesn't come equipped with that. Mm. Um, and I have a cat, so I can't even have house plants. Oh, but... I know that's trouble, friend. <laughs> Someday yes. I will have a garden again, for sure. Yeah. I honestly never thought I would garden until I had a garden. And then I was like, oh, oh this is actually kind of nice. So, and DeGroote's is, is lovely. Um mm -hmm. Okay, so then we have Beauty and the Beast, which was that iconic role. You got to be your own birthday candles. Were there any costume malfunctions? Oh, That costume that I wore was the best and worst thing. Mm. It looked so good. We rented them from Texas. You rented them back were, up. You rented them from Texas? We rented them from a company in Texas. They were shipped to us from Texas, yes. Wow, okay. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and they were absolutely gorgeous and absolutely uncomfortable. Okay. And I'm thinking, like, how did you prepare yourself? Like, okay, what was the mechanism inside? Was it, like, like... Nobody gets, I look like I'm milking a cow. I'm trying to, like, <laughs> you know, emulate with my hands what I think would be going on inside the, was it like a stick or, like, tell me all about that. Yeah, so they were these kind of dowels that I held on to. I, I kept calling them flower pots. That's how I describe them to people. Huh. They were, like, these giant flower pots that went on my hands. There were, like, rods inside that I held on to. And then each candle had a switch that I could trigger myself oh, sweet. Um, to light up the candles. But there was maybe a, a one or two second delay in the fan kicking on enough to make the flame do the flame thing. Very technical term. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to be two seconds ahead of any time I actually had to have the candle lit. I had to be thinking, you know, a couple seconds ahead. You, I want I want it on as I say this line, so I actually need to hit the button as the beast is saying his line or what have you. Okay, so a lot of calibrating there, practice. Yeah, and it was, um, I mean, for the first couple of weeks of rehearsal, I just held my hands up in the air like this. Mm. And and <laughs> Jackie would always look at me and say, do you have a question or are you being a candle? Because she could <laughs> just tell if I was raising my hand candle. or you know, being a yeah. candle. <laughs> So how is your back? Like, do you have just, like, ripped shoulders after that experience? Like, um, Yeah, I mean, I, I got a little bit into working out um, around the time of doing something rotten. You know, my health hadn't been the greatest after a couple of years of a sedentary career and mm -hmm. then, you know, the pandemic where we couldn't do anything or go anywhere. Yeah. So once we started rehearsals for something rotten, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not physically equipped for this and I've got a lot to do. So I started working out a bit. Um, just at home, you know, I got a yoga mat and some dumbbells and I 
learned off YouTube. You can you can teach yourself just about anything off YouTube. Did you anything. know that? Anything. Absolutely. If you can think of it, there's probably a YouTube series on how to do it. Yeah. So and, and yeah, the the shoulders and the back hurt almost every night after rehearsal. I bought a back brace to do the show. Um, Smart. <laughs> it was it was very physically uncomfortable. There was a run of scenes in the second act. They've re- they've edited the available script for Beating the Beast, or I guess the whole show as it's performed from what I've read. They removed a scene in the second act that breaks up this long chunk of enchanted objects at the castle scenes. Um, it would it would flip back to Gaston and there would be a village scene, but that is actually removed from the show now. So, so there is 20, 25 minutes the first scene in Act 2, where it's just the Enchanted Objects of the Castle. And we had a few entrances and exits, but for the most part, it was it was 20 minutes solid on stage, holding those candles up. And there was a couple musical numbers in there, and by the end, my hands were tingling, and it was just like, don't drop them, don't drop them, don't drop them. And and, and it's funny, because I I understand, from my, my guess is that they, they cut it for time, and... So what you end up have happening with the show now is uh, Belle runs away at the end of Act 1. So at the beginning of Act 2, she's in the woods. She gets attacked by wolves. Beast comes to save her. They go back to the castle. They have a little squabble. Then they have a bowl of soup together as their kind of first real date. And then suddenly they're falling in love. And suddenly he gives her the library. Like, it's just so much happens. Their entire relationship happens in this scene in Act 2 for some reason. Yeah, it's a little little quick. Yeah. From dislike to, you know, their their famous ballroom dance in a 20-minute scene with three musical numbers back-to-back. It was crazy. That's the that's the part. It's the musical numbers. That's why it doesn't happen in real life, right? Because we don't yeah. have these musical numbers. Or at least that's what I'm going to tell myself. I sure wish that I could skip big chunks of time and, and replace them with a, with like a five-minute song. That would be helpful. Heck yes. So helpful. <laughs> so helpful. So you never did drop them, your your candles. I somehow managed to do okay. I, I mean, throughout the rehearsal, Jackie's vision was kind of that they would always be very upright. And when we got the candles, we realized just the way they're constructed, if I was not facing the audience head-on, I was blocking my face from half the, half the uh... audience. So we ended up having to come up with different ways that Lumiere could move and hold himself and stuff. So it was a lot of playing around. And uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I watched uh, I watched the show back afterwards. We got you know a recording of it for cast crew to be able to watch. And throughout you know the first act, I'm really really doing good at holding them up. And then throughout the second act, you can kind of see it. <laughs> Slowly, kind of uh, get a little lazier. Yeah, yeah. And who could flip and blame you? And really, the only one that would notice it would be you, right? Because you would be watching yourself and like analyzing the direct angle. Well, my boyfriend couldn't make it to the production, and so he watched the film with me, and he was actually the one that pointed it out. Oh so. my gosh! <laughs> well, she was never mind that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got amazing feedback. People said so many lovely things about the production as a whole and, and about my performance. Um, and again, that imposter syndrome thing, you're kind of like, really? You thought it was good? Okay. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and we as actors, you know, we know how things are supposed to go and, and how we want them to go in our minds. And so we're, we're a lot higher on ourselves, right? Because we can look at that and go, oh, you know, that should have been 
more precise or this that the audience who doesn't know as much you know right over their heads mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just mesmerized by the fact that there's somebody with actual candles like I just, uh, I didn't get a chance to come and see the show and I was so bummed out about it because I know it's one of my favorites just in general and uh, I knew it would be great I had a really cool entrance my you know the reveal of, of Lumiere and Cogsworth the castle is set back during the village scenes and there's a curtain closed in front of it and so the curtain opens and Cogsworth and Lumiere are standing on the stairs and the stairs get pushed forward so I got to ride in on a set piece which is <laughs> you know one of the dreams um, and that was actually kind of scary because I as aforementioned did not have hands yeah so holding on to the railing was not a possibility um and i was top heavy oh with these big candles up above my head so every night it was like don't fall don't oh fall don't. the very first time we did it i just sat down right away yeah. i was like nope that's not happening crisscross applesauce for going down yeah. i love that you said it's one of the dreams because that's happened um it happened with uh wizard of oz and the whole time i was so terrified and i had like my uh, broom went into something and I can hang on to that. And even then I was like, this is terrible. I need off of this thing. So for you to be like, yeah, living the dream. Just so, so pure, even though it's kind <laughs> of terrifying. It is terrifying. But yeah, one of the, I think it may have been the school show, although it could be wrong on that. Uh, the curtain opens and we get pushed out and I hear, a young boy in the audience very audibly go, he has candle hands. I want candle hands. <laughs> he has candle hands. Oh my gosh, that'd be so, so sweet. I love the uh, the kids' shows. They're just, it's mm. just a totally different experience. The kids all look mm. so like in awe of everything that's happening. Love it. Yeah. And, I mean, like I, I, like I mentioned before, I started a new job in childcare right. um, a couple of weeks before the show and I, work at a local elementary school and a lot of my kids came to see the show oh cool and i became an overnight celebrity in my classroom i have never felt more loved and appreciated oh and, my gosh. and <laughs> oh. just you know the kids the kids that several of them independently from one another brought in their programs from the show no bring to me to show me my picture oh they're my like look God. it's you and i'm like wow how did that get in there <laughs> That's so sweet. Oh, my gosh. Did you guys get to do, like, a Q&A or anything like that or, or get to go out and see the kids in the lobby or anything like that? Uh, not in costume. Uh, that wasn't something that was planned for this production. I do kind of wish it had been because mm-hmm. I think it would have been really cool. But you never know. In another show, maybe. Yeah. But I did get to – I always like to go out and anytime somebody who – if I know somebody came to see the show, I like to go out and see them afterwards. And a lot of my kids stuck around hoping to get to see me, so I got to see a lot of them after the fact. A lot of the little girls dressed up as Belle, and they were just so happy to, to meet Lumiere and take a picture, so it was very, very cool. I actually was gifted a sweater with me as Lumiere on it. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, our Cogsworth, Brody Fitzpatrick, um, does some screen printing, and he he made a shirt of, of himself as Cogsworth, actually. <laughs> and I said, oh, you've got to make me one of those, please. So I have a hoodie sweater with myself in character as Lumiere, and it says, lit. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, my gosh, I love that. 
um, it's, a, I, I was just thinking too, that, you know, um, coordinating stuff with the kids, especially in costume would be so difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Because they would want to touch it and, and get a little bit too close, especially if you guys were renting stuff from, from somewhere, you yeah. would want to yeah. be especially careful. We did have, there was somebody in the audience who one of the cast members wanted to arrange to come back and take a photo off. And so the cast was all game. And so we, at intermission between Act 1 and Act 2, because that's when intermission is. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, At intermission, during one of the shows, we all went upstairs in our costumes and met this young person who would come see the show. And when I say young, I mean quite young. And she was very, very overwhelmed. (laughs) I bet. Uh, we all kind of stayed in character a little bit, but, you know, the tears started to well up in her eyes, and just, it, it's such a funny mental image in my mind. I turn around, and I see Brent in costume as the Beast. He's running away, because he's like, <laughs> he could tell that he was too much, and, you yeah. know, Beast is scary in the first act, you know, and yeah. the way he comes in and is presented with the lightning, and the roaring, and the claws. And... <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna leave. Meanwhile, Brent yeah. is just such a sweet and kind human. One of the best guys I've ever worked with, yeah. And, it, and it's so funny how those are the people who often play the play the meanness better, right? Because they, they have that opposite. No, the Beast wasn't mean, per se, but he could be very intimidating and frightening, and, and Brent portrayed that very well, despite being a big softie. Yeah, maybe it's like a, an outlet. Secretly, there's some of that lurking around, and you got to <laughs> wait for a, a role where you can just let it all out. Well, I said to uh, Paul Scusa, who played Shakespeare in Something Rotten, and then went on to do Gaston and Beauty and the Beast, I said to him after our callback to Beauty and the Beast, I said, you're pretty good at playing really terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed. He goes, I promise I'm nice. You don't know me that <laughs> I swear, well. I'm I swear. Really nice. And he is. Great guy. Um, I'm curious about this, the costume situation. Did So if they rented it, and then you were saying that they had to... Oh, no, that was something rotten, that they altered the vest, right? Mm-hmm. Got myself yeah. confused. But I still am curious. So if they rented stuff from this company in Texas, was there just one option for you? Or did they have to piece it together? Or do you know do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, how did they get your size in... Yeah, well, they took the measurements really early. Like, right as soon as we were cast, pretty much, I think, in the early first couple of rehearsals they took our measurements um i'm not sure what the selection process is like i they were all and i was actually curious about this too because the costumes all were very much part of a set there were these mm-hmm. through lines of design through all of them they were absolutely beautiful and it was this this i don't know what the style was but but you know my i had this chest plate as lumiere that had the same kind of designs engraved into it that Cogsworth's helmet had, Mm. and that Mrs. Potts had this kind of belt thing, corset thing, and and same with uh, Madame de la Grande Bouche, where you could just tell they were all meant, you know, they were created together and meant to be part of a set, which I I do love for the concept of the spell being something that, you know, Mm. it it turns us into objects, but we're all under the same spell and, and brought together by the same fate. And so were these objects that are completely different, you know, a teapot, a wardrobe, a candelabra, a clock, but there's these bits of design in them that, that show they're all, you know, one set. <laughs> yeah, it, it'd be interesting to know, 
given that they were part of a set and that it was a set costume in it in and of itself how they went about that like I understand having the measurements but making sure that everything still matched and yeah um, right exactly that's uh that's interesting to me um looking at the time and it's already happened I try to give space at the end of each episode for the guests to have a soapbox moment or maybe talk about an Etsy page or a charity that they're passionate about or maybe you just want to talk about theater for a few more minutes whatever works for you I I love that the, the Sarnia area is so it's filled with so much talent there's so much underground talent that I there's just so much talent here and I'm so thankful that things have worked out the way they have everybody works so hard at the theater and I'm just really grateful to be a part of such an incredible community within an incredible community. I also got the opportunity this past summer to work with Mandy Villa, uh, who I know you've interviewed and we were connected by Krista Faw, who I know you've also interviewed. Like I said, you've, you've interviewed all my friends and family. <laughs> so I like really had to get on the show. Come on, come on. <laughs> That's you know that you know what that's why I did all the shows. It wasn't because oh. I like it's because I needed to be Sarnia famous. Right, so I, right. Okay. Well, well. Just do all the shows. <laughs> um, yeah. So Crystal and I have known each other for a very long time, and they recommended that Mandy reach out to me because Mandy was looking for some backup dancers, which is hilarious again because I don't see myself as a dancer. It's something I struggle with, and Mandy reached out to me and said, you know, I. I'm going to perform at Pride, I need a dancer, would you be interested? And I kind of like hemmed and hawed about it, because I was like, oh gosh, that's a lot of people to be dancing in front of. And then Mandy put out just an open kind of call on one of the Theatre Sarnia pages, and Evans Bickham, um, who I worked with, I directed him in a production of, or, sorry, stage managed in a production of Into the Woods uh, a number of years ago through Rebounds Act 2, and he responded to the ad, and he choreographed a number for us that was it looked good and relatively not challenging. <laughs> and so we did that here at Sarnia Pride, which was super cool. And then Mandy said, well, I'm going to go perform at Windsor Pride um, if you guys want to come with me and do that. And that was crazy because Sarnia Pride uh, it was our first year having um, an actual Pride celebration in Sarnia. And so the attendance wasn't super high. And it was just, you know, uh, a small town little affair at the at the Sun Agora here um, with a couple hundred people and then we went to Windsor and I don't know how many people were there but it was more than a couple hundred um, it was like a full hockey or it was like an outdoor hockey arena kind of thing wow. um, in Windsor and it was packed and it was so crazy and you know as a as a musical and stage actor I'm very used to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse before anybody ever sees it and I think we rehearsed for about two hours all together oh over God. the course of three or four days maybe and it was like we were we were backstage running through the number several times it's like oh do we got this we got this we got this like what's this what do I do here thankfully the song uh was the the number was the song drunk and I don't want to go home by LK <laughs> Which was about having a good time and being drunk and not wanting to go home. But we could kind of play out that more fun, silly aspect of the performance. And if if we missed some choreography, well, we were drunk and we didn't want to go home. So it was really cool. It was a really incredible opportunity. Mandy is such a stellar performer and such a great person. And um, Evans is so professional for his age and so talented. And so I just kind of felt like the 
the awkward odd duck, but you know that's that imposter syndrome again. I, I, I guess I'm doing something right on stage. So yeah, hopefully with all of this success that you're seeing in the theater and all of the positive feedback, you can kind of squash that imposter syndrome. And that is coming from someone who has that very same experience. It's tough. Yeah. One day at a time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But you're not letting it stop you. And that's the most important thing. So. (laughs) And there's that stubbornness piece. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. It's a good match for it. When I was 14, my first show was uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, and I got the role of Charlie Brown, and I shaved my head to play it. And I don't look cute with a shaved head. <laughs> that is just the kind of crazy, all-in bravado I've always had when it's come to performance in theater. And at the end of the day, if that's all I have, you know, that's gotten me pretty far. So mm-hmm. do what I can with what I got. I think that's the perfect place to end this episode. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> perfect. Uh, thank you so much for spending the time with me today and for being infinitely patient with my technical issues. I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you. It's been an honor. Okay. Well, enjoy your evening. You as well. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay, kids, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Our next guest will be Claire Ross. See you then.